the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Spiritual food does not affirm your fleshly desire. Spiritual food strengthens your inner man so that you recover your right mind and recognize that you're far from God. Spiritual food helps you see rightly when you have been deceiving yourself. Spiritual food is an illuminating experience. there and welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us today on Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward, online at grace-bible.com. We're picking up today where we left off in our series called Arise, Move, and Go. It's another study in Numbers, chapter 11. Is it ever a good idea to provoke God? Doesn't sound like too smart of an idea to me, but that's what the Israelites did. Let's open our Bibles to Numbers 11 and join Pastor Jesse there for this edition of Way of Grace. That that man or that woman whose body is in that casket, they are not there. They are in glory with their Lord. Their body is about to go into the ground like a seed and wait for the day of resurrection. God loved us enough to let us know there's a day coming when we all will hear the voice of the Son of God and the graves will be opened. And we shall rise up out of those graves, our bodies, and be united with our souls. And our Lord will be glorified in having raised us from the dead. See, so God means for you to preach your best sermon in your dead body. Because it points to the last enemy that God will subdue, and that is death. How subdued is death when your body is laying in the casket? And the community of the faithful are rejoicing and that you are not here, but has risen and are seated at the right hand of God in glory. How beautiful. But see, I'm saying that I'm dealing with a generation of ignorant, rebellious Christians that all they want to do is just make sure they go to glory. That means they're not living for God's glory. That means they're living to go to glory. So they're not living down here in honor of God. And when they die, they won't honor God because you got to be prepared to honor God. Am I making some sense? Let me keep going then, because it's a tragic reality that the uh, secular system knows in this regard. It knows that human beings don't believe they're going to die and they don't prepare for it. It knows that. It knows that. And so in our text, what we are being taught here is something absolutely beautiful about the outpouring. Three sub points and I'll move on to my final point. A power conferred on the elders, a pattern of things to come. We just saw this and a promise accomplished in Christ. Is this true? It's a promise accomplished in Christ. I love this. This is how Luke puts this, because what we're dealing with here in our text is the outpouring of the Spirit, are we not? 
Here's what Luke said in Luke 3, 16 and 17. Get this, because Luke was the foreshadow of Jesus. And John, 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 the, John the Baptist said this in Luke, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I, he is coming. Who is that coming one? The latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the what? Holy Ghost. And then he will baptize you with what? Those are two different dispensations. I'm getting ready to teach you something. The first baptism is what happened at Pentecost when Christ rose again from the dead, ascended on high, and said, tarry here. Y'all got that? And he was indicating the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which all men and all women need to be saved. Y'all got that? So the outpouring of the Holy Spirit preceded the outpouring of what? Fire. Y'all got that? And that's because the fire that he would bring would be the fire of his righteous judgment against national Israel because of his rebellion against the gospel for 37 years of preaching. When Jesus rose again from the dead, the apostles witnessed to the Jewish people for 37 years, beginning in Acts chapter 2 and 4. God hath made this same Jesus Lord and Christ. You who have crucified him, God has made him Lord and Christ. And many of them said, so what do we do? You remember what Peter said in Acts chapter 2. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, you and your house, and you will receive the gift of the what? Holy Spirit, right? That message was preached for 37 years and the nation of Israel rebelled against the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. So they were met with what? Fire. Fire is the judgment that John said would come upon them. Listen to how John puts it. Look at verse 17. This is verse 17, just to help some of you, because we're going back and see the pattern in the Old Testament, and we're done. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly do what? Purge his floor, and will gather the wheat into his garner. Stage one. That's the preaching of the gospel. In the preaching of the gospel, there's a harvest that always comes. You and I are like wheat that God brings into his harvest. Is that not true? So the preaching of the gospel took place for 37 years and many Jews came to Christ. You know it because you read the book of Acts, but not all of them. And the language of the New Testament is the vast majority of those Jewish people rejected Jesus unto their own condemnation. Am I making some sense? And in AD 37, AD 70, it was a hard, hard time for the Jews who perpetually uh, rejected and resisted the gospel. Let me give you the parallel. The Holy Ghost has been poured out into the world in AD 33 on Pentecost. The Holy Ghost is here. He doesn't need to continue coming down. We know that because people are saved. Am I making some sense? But there's another fire coming on the last day against everybody who continues to rebel against the gospel. Am I making some sense? That is the representation of God's character. Pull it up. This is Uh, Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 and 7. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. This is where Jesus came down the first time. You guys remember this. I want you to capture this. This is where Jesus came down the first time. The text says, and the Lord passed by Moses, that is the Lord Jesus, and he preached the Lord, the Lord God. You guys remember that? Now notice the qualities that come up first. Merciful and gracious and long-suffering. Is that the way God is with us? He's merciful. The gospel is a gospel of mercy. 
He's not only merciful, he's gracious. The gospel is a gospel of grace, is it not? What you and I know is that we're saved by mercy and we're saved by grace. It's the mercy of God that saves us, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by his mercy hath he saved us by the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he poured upon us abundantly. Notice mercy, grace, and what? Long-suffering and abundant in goodness and in truth. That is the saving side of God's character. That's the saving side. That's the good news preached. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be what? He that believeth not shall be what? Damned. Look at the next set of attributes. Verse 7. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. Is that not the atoning work of Christ? But he will by no means do what? But he will by no means do what? Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. Listen to me. God is holy. Let's go back to our text. I'm going to close now, show you something. God is holy. You guys remember when Moses said back before this portion of scripture, he said, Lord, if you don't go with me, you know, kill me. Remember that? And, Moses, and God said to Moses, Moses, look, I'll have mercy on who I'll have mercy. And I'll kill who I want to kill. I'll I'll, I'll bring judgment on whom I will bring judgment. Y'all remember that? And I told you the way God works is a lot of times he won't bring his judgment for a long period of time. He'll give you time to repent. Well, that's what's going on here. I told you it's 14 months in now. These these same knucklehead people that were back there in that day dancing around the golden calf, naked, having a, a frolicking party. And Moses knew that God was going to kill him. Only 3,000 died on that day. Y'all remember that? And, and, and God said, Moses, go ahead on and lead my people. I'll deal with these crazy people who actually blaspheme me in their disobedience. So get this, ladies and gentlemen. Just because God delays his judgment doesn't mean you forget. And, and, what, and what Solomon taught us, because Solomon knew a little bit about sin. Just a little bit. <laughs> Solomon said, When judgment is executed slowly, when the judgment comes slowly, it only hardens the heart of people who don't already have the resident fear of God in them. This is why preaching like I do, people don't like what I preach. Now, y'all hearing what I'm saying? Right, because their hearts are hardened against a God that has a right to tell you and I what to do and how to live. But God is merciful to let us breathe in and out every day particularly when we're living like hell. He's merciful. So when God brings judgments and plagues and reverses and sudden death, he was merciful up to that point where he says, okay, you don't get it. Time for you to go. Here it is. I want you to see it with me. I'm going to close. We're over in Numbers chapter 11 where God now is going to show Moses his difficult side. Point number three, they provoke God to what? That's Numbers 11, verses 18 through 20. Listen to what God says. And he said unto them, unto the people, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. You're going to eat flesh. And you have wept in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord heard you saying, who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore, the Lord will give you flesh and you shall eat. Y'all better get a hold of that. You shall eat flesh. I'm going to walk you through this because you need to sense it. 
So God told Moses, y'all getting ready to eat. You ask to eat. You're getting ready to eat. You're getting ready to have exactly what you want. I'm going to try not to be here long, but I'm here to be here long enough for you to get it. Okay. You ask to eat. And that's a symbol of us craving our own carnal desires. And then not only on top of that, you, you despise the manna. What is this manna? This coriander seed, this bland food. I told you that's a picture of false religion as it is in my day that has turned the gospel into entertainment and turned it into emotionalism and turned it into fleshly carnal gratification. You can go to all kinds of churches today that make you feel good and never preach Christ to you. Never preach Christ. Because Christ is the manna that God brought down from heaven to feed your soul. It's qualitatively different. It's qualitatively different. Spiritual food does not affirm your fleshly desires. Spiritual food strengthens your inner man so that you recover your right mind and recognize that you're far from God. Spiritual food helps you see rightly when you have been deceiving yourself. Spiritual food is an illuminating experience. It's a strengthening of the inner man so you can rise up and say, Lord, kill him. I'm making some sense, am I not? That's exactly right. This is why a whole lot of people are going to experience the darkest depths of hell because they play games with God. Y'all hear what I'm saying? This is terrible. Listen to it now. They provoke God to anger. So we read over in verse 19, you shall not eat one day nor two days nor five days. You're not going to even eat 10 days. You're not even eating 20 days. But even a whole month, until it comes out of your nostril. And it will be loathsome unto you because that you have despised the Lord, which is among you. And you have wept before him saying, why came we forth out of Egypt? I hear a lot of Christians talking like that. They love this world. They absolutely love this world. And Moses said, the people among whom I am are... (laughs) 600,000, we got that number right again, right? And footmen, soldiers. And he said, I will give them flesh that they may eat a whole month. Shall the flocks and herds be slain for them to suffice them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to to satisfy them? See, Moses is tripping, isn't he? Because he's thinking God is telling him he got to do it. Now, Lord, how am I going to do it? We way out in the desert. We weigh, are we going to eat all of the flocks that we have to use for sacrifices? And I don't know where to get fish and quail. No, the Lord didn't tell Moses to do it. The Lord was going to do this. Now watch how this goes. This is absolutely remarkable. We'll see this over in verse 31. Are you there? Verse 31, I'm going to start here. And there went forth a wind from the Lord and brought quail from the sea. Right. Again, so if you understand the language carefully, this was not a natural wind. Your winds currents were running all up and down the ocean side there, 
coming from Egypt, going down to the uh, to the uh, Mount Sinai Peninsula. There was sea there. We saw that that whole Mediterranean Sea area. Wind currents are running all the time in those areas. And the quail would run from one region of the world to the Egyptian side so that the Egyptians had quail. Uh, Birds are always flying on the currents of the water. You guys know that. This wind captured a whole group of quail heading their way to Egypt and blew them over into the Sinai Peninsula. The, The language for the wind here is a torrent of storm that overcame the natural current flow of the winds and forced those birds off of their track. I know they were saying in their head, head, Lord, where are you taking us? Where are we going? Where are we going? Okay, we just got to roll with the Lord. He's the Holy Ghost, so we got to roll with him. And this is where they are now, and I want you to capture how this works. Now, notice what it says. He says, and there went forth a wind and brought quail from the sea and let them fall in the camp. The quail fell right where they were. Now listen to this, as it were a day's journey on one side. Now, you don't get that because a day's journey with 1.3 million people, this, they say, is something like a 10 to 11 mile length of distance from where they were. 11 miles of birds coming down. Now, there are two major interpretations with this language that the birds were forced to come down by the wind current to fly among the people at about five feet off the ground. This is what the language is going to say. Watch this. And it was as a day's journey on this side, as it were a day's journey on the other side, round about the camp, as it were two cubits high. Now, a cubit is anywhere from uh, 18 inches to 20 inches, depending on which cubit you use. You multiply, that's about three feet off the ground. This is where I am. You guys see that? So the interpreters surmise two things, one which is rational, the other one is a little bit, little bit uh, challenging, and that is the birds were flying among the Israelites. They were flying among the Israelites to the tune of 11 miles up the road, because 1.3 million people, that's a long ways. And the, and the text tells us a day's journey is the length that they were flying round about the camp. Does that make sense? as it were, two cubits high upon the face of the earth. Now, the reason why I say that is because some theologians would argue that these birds didn't just fall on the ground and lay there dead in front of the Hebrew people. That would have been like roadkill. Okay, that would have been taboo. So these birds are flying. They're flying low. They're flying low enough for you to capture. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. And the people stood up all day. They stayed up all day. They stayed up all all night and all the next day. What were they doing? Gathering quail. Gathering quail. Y'all got that? They're gathering quail. Y'all got that? All these people are gathering quail. And the text is very clear. Listen to the language. And they gathered and the least gathered 10 homers, do your work. That's a ton of quail per person, okay? Multiple camels full per person. Now, what is God teaching us here? The insatiable nature of the lust of our flesh when an opportunity is given to fulfill it. The insatiable nature, the insatiable nature of the lust of our flesh 
when an opportunity is given. Now, remember, God had said it prophetically, did he not? He says, you're not going to eat one day. You're not going to eat two days. You're not going to eat five days. You're not going to eat 10 days. You're not going to eat 20 days. You're going to eat a whole month. Everybody's gathering enough quail to cover a month. Y'all got that? This is quite remarkable. Then look what verse 33 says. And while the flesh was between their teeth, while they were eating it, and we may presuppose that they had already cooked it. Do you understand that? Maybe some crazy people was eating raw quail. I don't know. But we may presuppose that they cooked it. But what we do not have to hypothesize about is that they just kept eating, gorging the food. Do you see it? They just kept eating. Now, God had given them over to the lust of their flesh. He didn't give them a break. He didn't give them a limit. He didn't give them a measure. They're just eating and eating and eating and eating. Er, while they're chewing it, the wrath of God was kindled against the people and the Lord smote the people. Now, this is logical to me with a what? A plague. Do you see it? Now, what is he talking about there? Think about what these people did. They brought this plague on themselves. These are people who have been disciplined to eat a pure diet of the manna and pure water out of the rock. Manna that was protected by God. Psalm 78 puts it in this language. God gave them angels food. Manna that was protected by God, pure, unadulterated, undefiled. No contaminants, no diseases, no toxins. You don't know what you're getting from these birds of Egypt. And you're eating it and you are consuming it and it's going in your whole body. Not one day, not two days, not five days, not 10 days, not two weeks, not three weeks, a whole month. If we even left this on the natural, a whole bunch of people are dying from overconsumption. Am I making some sense? I told you I wanted you to get it. The way Christians read their Bible, you can't learn anything if you don't take God's word serious. God says, okay, I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to give you over to the lust of your flesh. The intemperance and the ingratitude and the excess and the indulgence is what you and I describe as addictive behavior that drives men and women to levels of self-harm, that they die with their joy in their mouth. This is the world I live in. This is the this is society I live in. I live in a world where men live for pleasure and not for God. And they will bless God if God gives them their pleasure. And frequently they die from the pleasure that they're blessing God that gave it to them. Y'all keeping up with me? Listen, as far as I'm concerned, just those three, four, five verses right there alone got me fasting for 90 days. I'm fasting for 90 days. I don't want no chicken. I don't want no quail. 
I don't want no pigeon. I don't want nothing that look like a bird. I'm going vegetarian. I'm eating nothing but vegetables and water for the next 30 days. I want to get as far away as I can. And I'm being facetious, but y'all understand where I'm going. Because the lesson is clear. If you choose anything other than the person and work of Jesus Christ, represented in the gospel of his glory, in the bread that God provides for us, you are wide open to the plagues of Egypt. Did y'all get what I just stated? May God grant you and me the hunger for his righteousness and not our own. We are out of time today. We'll close our program out here and pick up where we left off next time we're together here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. We trust it was profitable in your walk and relationship with Christ. Our goal here at Way of Grace is to make sure that you are growing in Christ, that you are living a life worthy of the calling that has been placed on your life from the gospel. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, as always, you're welcome to reach out to us here at Way of Grace. Our phone number is real easy. You can reach out to us at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. You can also reach us at our website, grace-bible.com. And you can email us from that website as well as find out more about us, who we are, what we believe worship opportunities. In fact, our worship opportunities are really quite simple. Sundays at 1030, we meet here at the church in Hayward. We also have a Friday evening Bible study at 630 and then a Tuesday evening prayer and Bible study at 630 as well. For more information, again, grace-bible.com or call 510-886-9782. Reach out to us by mail if you want to write 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California. The zip code is 94541. As always, it's a pleasure spending time with you here in God's Word, growing in His grace. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.